Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. It's your host, Jody Katz. This week's episode features Kathy Singh. She's a makeup artist, an Emmy award-winning makeup artist at that. Um, and she became a super fan of our pod through Instagram. And then once we got to know her, we just had to have her on the show. Um, so she talks about working hard and making her way as a freelance makeup artist. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Gina Way. She's a freelance beauty writer and editor. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey everybody, welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'm so excited to be sitting across from Kathy Singh. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you so much, I'm so excited to be here. Kathy is a makeup artist and she also is the owner of Lemon Penny Productions. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanna tell our listeners about how we met. So you are our official first <laughs> guest who's also um, a pod fan. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna explain that a little bit more. Like most of the people who've been on the show, I've either known through work or like their publicist pitches them, mm -hmm. um, or like a, f a work friend introduces me to a work friend. But like we l really just organically met you over social. Organically found you, yes, right. on Instagram. On you're Instagram, a, you're a super fan. I am. I have I have binged on the way here. I binged it. I listened to some favorites again. But I think um, you guys set set like the tone for my day a lot. I listen to you on my way to work. It just kind of gets me pumped up to hear other artists and people in the industry. It, it gets you like in the right mindset. It's incredibly meaningful for me to hear this. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Because you know, when I started the show, I really needed it therapeutically. I needed to be able to talk to people like for real, not about like how fabulous you are and how much money you make and how many products you've sold. And I wanted to hear about like real stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to, are you stressed out? Like On ground floor. What do you do when you go home? Yeah. How do you really feel after that shoot? Yeah. Yeah. Real life. Or like, how do I you really feel that. when you don't get that work that you really hoped you were getting or when like the bank account is low and like financial security takes hold? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, it is so meaningful to me to hear that like these stories matter. Um, Absolutely. And you made a post that was like amazing. It was, you were driving. Well, why don't you tell us? <laughs> I was driving to a shoot. Um, I commute a lot. I work all over Southern California, so I was driving up to the mountains of Big Bear with 24 hours notice, mind you, and um, I just put on a bunch of podcasts, and it was just this, I was putting on the super goop glow stick sunscreen, and I looked down, and I was like, oh my gosh, I am literally listening to the <laughs> super goop podcast while putting on super goop, while driving, so I took a picture, and it was like the most, like you said, like the most meta makeup moment. It was um, it was a good happy accident, but yeah, that's really that cool. is still my, I am wearing that today. It's my favorite thing. That's awesome. It's the best glow stick ever. So um, tell us how you heard about the pod. I heard about the pod um, from Instagram. I follow makeup artist Fiona Styles, and she posted something. She posts amazing content through Shop Reed Clark and all this, but um, she posted how much it was benefiting her and that it was like ground level, it was real information. And anything she says, I check it out. And um, after that, it was hooked. Cool. Totally hooked. Well, let's talk about you. Um, <laughs> how did you start as a makeup artist? Uh, as a makeup artist, um, uh, my mom always told me I was a primary colored child. She's I was you were a primary, primary colored child. child. I love my favorite color is lime green. I just loved bright and happy things, and I painted everything I could get my hands on, and I redecorated furniture, and I would constantly make make things and pottery, ceramics. So I knew it was going to be a path. Um, however, I changed when I got older and I got a journalism degree, and thought that was my path, and. Um, 
senior year realized that I was going back to my roots and it wasn't really fitting. So I started diving into wardrobe and I thought I would be a stylist, a costumer, something like that, design. So I reached out to some friends and I started doing these silly little music videos and like borrowing bomber jackets from surplus stores. I mean like, whoa, <laughs> I should not have been doing that. And, uh, and it was really good experience. And then my girlfriend, I just did a couple of them. My girlfriend recommended me to another stylist and said, she can assist, she's available. And um, I said, absolutely, I would love to be a part. I get the call sheet, it's in Palm Springs, it's for three days, it's assisting um, a stylist who was working on a self magazine shoot for Elizabeth Banks. So I went from zero to like 100 in overnight. Um, had no idea what I was doing, had no, I just steamed clothes. I steamed clothes for like hours and hours and hours and uh, the whole entire time I was steaming clothes. I was glued to this makeup artist and I could not stop staring at what she was doing and the way she was doing it and the stuff on her table. And I had never been in that world. I didn't realize that was a job, I guess. I just never put two and two together that I could do that for a living. And I just kept steaming my clothes and I kept watching her and I was just addicted to her. Um, so then I came home and I told my husband, I think I'm in the right industry. I'm in the wrong department. So I need to switch departments. Do you remember who that makeup artist was that you were watching? That makeup artist was Fiona Styles. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty amazing moment. So she, um, and she is still Elizabeth Banks makeup artist. And um, I still follow her. I've never met her, but I did email her that story and say thank you. So. Um, oh, you never met Fiona? I've never met her actually in person. I know we're in the same city, but um, she, she, just her information and her, just her, her, her nest that day was there. And it was also a good testament that people are watching you on set when you don't know. Right. <laughs> right? I, I was a peon. I had, I was a steamer. I had no makeup on. I was in the corner, but I was watching her. So it just, it constantly reminds me that everybody on set has eyeballs and they're watching you. So whatever you're doing, you're kind of on display all the time. So it was a good, good reminder. Right. Well, that's so fascinating. Okay. So you saw what Fiona was doing, yes. but that doesn't mean you become a makeup artist. No, overnight. no, no. So I went to my Smashbox counter and I thought, okay, I'll just start doing makeup. I need faces. I need to start doing stuff. So I asked and I freelanced, um, did a little demo, got hired, started doing freelance, started doing a gazillion faces. I worked seven days a week. I worked in an office and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would use my vacation days to do events like on a Friday and then work the whole weekend. And um, I just got hooked on it. And Wait, so you went to the Smashbox counter first? Where? Um, in my little town. Oh, okay. And not a big deal. And um, But you weren't a makeup artist. You just said, I want to be a makeup mm -hmm. artist. And I had been playing on people's faces, and I had always done that. And um, my past as a synchronized swimmer, I had a lot of that happening. Okay, um, so let's like not skip over this. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You were an 11-year-old prodigy synchronized swimmer. <laughs> Do I have that right? I was a freakishly tall 11-year-old, yes. And I um, joined synchronized swimming as a summer sport just to learn and then did it for seven more years competitively. We were nationally ranked. It was um, some of the best experience of my life. It taught me discipline, um, an incredible work ethic. We swam about 40 hours a week, so I didn't have a lot of free time. Um, it taught me discipline and it taught me teamwork. It taught me, well, there's eight girls that are depending on you and we all learned stage makeup, waterproof makeup at the same time at 11 years old. I mean, there was Maybelline Great Lash, a lot of that going along, <laughs> the $3 mascara, you know, back in the day. Um, so that was a really good foundation for me. And I think looking back, that is where I think I started liking makeup a lot, where I started actually doing makeup right. and having to be creative. And we would paint 
fans on our faces and flowers and we had headpieces and we would just kind of go all out and I have crazy pictures but synchro makeup is a different world it's a little bit more uh, severe so you can see it from far right um, but also waterproof so it was a good foundation little did I know that that would come back so then I get back to Smashbox I email every makeup artist I can find from San Diego to Los Angeles I just, I emailed them and I asked them, I found this one school's institute of makeup or something. And I emailed them and said, did you find this class helpful? Can I assist? Can I work? What do you, what, you, what do I do? How, how do I do this? And I got maybe a handful of responses. Understandably, I was very, very green. And one of those responses was um, Melissa Street. And she called me and said, you know, I'm making a two and a half hour drive to LA. Why don't you give me a call and we'll chat? And I went, oh, wow, that's amazing. And so I had, as a journalism student, I had two and a half pages of a legal notepad of like, and how does this? And how do you get a business card? And where do you buy your brushes? And how do you... Wait, <laughs> so you sat down questions. in advance of the call and like wrote down every single question you had? Mm-hmm. Everything I wanted to know about how to get started as a makeup artist. Every single question. And um, she got on the phone with me, probably thinking, I'll answer two and we'll get off the phone and cut this up. Uh, two and a half hours later, we were still on the phone. She was just getting to LA, and um, we got off the phone, and I, I took the phone down and thought, there's something about her. That was amazing. Who does that for a, a stranger? And uh, after that, I took a small class. I met Trisha Sawyer through that, who is, um, she department heads House of Cards, which is wrapped up. She was Sharon Stone's makeup artist for many, many years when I met her, and um, she also mentored me. So she took me under her wing, did taught me makeup, taught me the basics, like the 101 in her school. And then um, less than a month later, I would say she called me and said, it was the writer's strike, 2008-ish, so no one was working. Right when I got into makeup, not a soul was working. There was nothing happening. And uh, all these giant names were doing little indie films. So it was, just all these magical moments that come together. And um, that moment, she called me and said, do you want to assist? And I was like, absolutely, I'll be there tomorrow. I had never been on a movie set. I had never seen an actor bag. I've never seen any of that before. I walked in, she gave me an actor bag, right, with all the stuff from my guy, and put it in my hand and went, there he is, okay, go ahead. And I was like, now what, what's next? What do you, when do I go in there? And so she, it was, um, it was like guerrilla teaching. It was I, I think that's how I learned best. I so was what did you actually have to do? Like you walk over the actor and do what? Yeah, during um, you touch-ups. So you maintain his continuity. You maintain the look. Um, he was, I'm sure he tells the story quite differently, but he was a very, very sweet um, bald gentleman. And I think I took that puff and I just patted his head. <laughs> like, like I was patting him. Just <laughs> It was... Horribly embarrassing, I'm sure, for him. And I called the monitor, which we watch in Video Village. I call it the TV screen the whole day. And the other makeup artist was like, don't call it that anymore. Um, so it was. I learned a lot. My first makeup on a man took me over 30 minutes. I was so nervous. I was so slow. And like I massaged. And like I took my time. And he's like, okay, I think we're about done. And I'm like, oh, okay, we are done. Okay, that's great. <laughs> so it was, um, it was a lot of these little moments, but... Do you remember who all these people are that were your, your test subjects? I don't remember him. I could look up the film and mm-hmm. see it. It was called Repo Chick was the film, that I, my very first movie. Um, and I found that call sheet. And just so those people who think I had this magical moment on set, I did not. I was very much interning. I did not get paid, as you should not as an intern. And I, um, on my very first call sheet, on the back of it, 
which should have been like this thing I keep forever, um, is the coffee order for the entire makeup and hair department team. So that was my job. <laughs> I had him, but really I was there to clean brushes and to um, get coffee, which I did gratefully. So did you have a day job while mm -hmm. this was happening? I worked in an office, just a, and I was pulling my hair out. I, that's when I realized this is not going to work in my realm. I'm very, um, I have a lot of energy, and I get stuck behind a desk, and I just want to explode. So, But you kept the day job because you needed, needed it. money. Yeah, I needed it. We had just got married. We just bought a house. We were starting our life. And here I go. I'm like, hey, I'm going to change my entire career right now. And so. Was it scary? It was really scary. It was really scary. Um, I've always looked at this industry as being kind of daunting. And another reason I'm glad you're doing this, uh, really, it's kind of scary to break into. I, I've done this for 10 years. So 10 years ago, it was, it was quite different. Instagram and everything wasn't happening. So um, it was quite daunting just to get your foot in the door, I felt like. I felt like you ha at that time, you needed to, you still need to know somebody, but you needed to, there were not as many routes in. And it was a really competitive field, it still is. And to a person who's not competitive, I found that, like, whoa, where do I start? Where do I go? Do I go to school? Do I just call people? What do I do? So um, I still tell people who ask me that, just assist. Email people, ask them. Find the person you want to work, who does what you want to do, and then follow that person. Mm -hmm. Just follow the map. Right. I mean, I'm not a makeup artist or a hairstylist, but I'm, I, it does sort of feel like a lawless world, it, right? It, it's, a, it's the Wild West. It is a circus. It's, there's no rules. It's, it's everyone's kind of out for themselves, right? It, you're an individual. Um, you work on a team, but sometimes that can cause issues because everybody's so independent. We're all very independent individuals because we have to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally bring my office to work every day. I bring 80 pounds of makeup, 20 pounds of brushes, a chair, and lights to my job every single day. Most people don't do that. <laughs> so it's a little bit different that I go to a different place every day. You have to, um, I think you have to toughen your skin a little bit. Right, so you know, we have a lot of listeners who are makeup artists and hairstylists, and I, I get it because they're all entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? All of us, yeah. Um, and there's so much, like, I feel like um, there's almost a, how do I say it in a, in a kind way to the industry? Um, I just don't know that there's like so, as much respect for the entrepreneurialism mm -hmm. that it takes to be successful. Mm -hmm. Or like, I don't even mean a household name, I mean make a living. Yeah. Um, you are an entrepreneur and your peers are entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. just as the person who runs a brand is an entrepreneur. I agree. This is a business. I think, I've seen lately a lot of movement towards makeup as a business, which I really, really love. Like Melissa Street is doing a great job of that. Um, and teaching young artists the business. You need to know what an invoice is. You need to know what an estimate is. You need to know when to pay your tax. You need to, this is important stuff to keep track of and what to send, when to send to your produ producer, how to communicate to that person. It's okay to ask questions. You can't just get a call sheet and then be like, I'll see you. Right. That, that is not good enough. You need to be proactive. This is, this is your name on the line. This is your face on the line. Every single job is your name on the line, right? It's someone's face up there. That's your job to make them look good. And I ask a lot of questions. Right, so. but not just to make that person look good, but to, like you said, be compatible with the crew. Like, exactly. You know, be someone that everyone wants to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm curious to know, is there less prima donna-ishness mm. in the industry now? 
has that subsided or is it still kind of that way? Um, I think that's subsided. I think in my world, I work, um, I'm not predominantly in fashion or editorial. I work more production, television, live events, commercials, um, personal clients. But in that, I haven't met too many prima donnas or I just, <laughs> I just don't accept it. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause I just squash it. I, um, I stay in my lane, you know, I stay, in my, if, if they are, I'm like, good for you. Good on you. I'm going to go this way. So it's. Right. Do you find yourself on sets with prima donnas, like directors or photographers? Not too much. Um, everyone I've met is pretty much good for the goal. Like we're all going towards uh-huh. a goal. There's been a couple where we haven't been compatible and you, you, it's interesting how quickly you figure that out. Mm-hmm. You could figure that out within, I think almost minutes. Like when you're setting up, you'd be like, okay. I got to be on my game today. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be a little different than normal. Um, and you can find out when those are. And you just, I think you have to uh, have an awareness about you, which I'm constantly striving for, um, and to be a problem solver and not a people pleaser, which mm-hmm. I constantly strive for because I am a people pleaser to a fault at times. Um, in this industry, you, you kind of bend over backwards to make everyone happy. Right at the cost of yourself. Right, so tell me about the people-pleasing. Um, it's really easy to do in this industry, I think. Um, I think you can say yes to everything. You, it's, it's, a, it's a circus, it's a wild west, so every a job could be there today and it could be gone tomorrow. You could be booked solid, I'm booked solid for this entire, I literally go home tomorrow and flat and work the next day, but then the whole next week is open, and the next week after that, so, mm-hmm. and the next week's booked. So it's, you kind of, you wanna jump at the opportunity when it comes, so you can tend to be a yes person very easily. And you have to remind, and I've only learned this self this very recently, you really have to take a step back and say, is this, good, is this a good path for my career? Am I the right fit for this job? Is this a good trajectory? Is this the best suited for, is this what they need? Mm-hmm. Is this what I need? Is this a good match? If it's just you know, a, a money grab or something, you know, that's, it, that's your decision. But um, I think if you're, if you're trying to choose wisely and work smart and not people please, you want to, I have to take a step back and really, really think about it. Right. First. So um, I struggle with people pleasing as well. I'm, I really am unraveling it. I've been working hard really? at it. Yes. I mean, I work hard and hard for like 10 years it, trying to unravel it. It's not easy. Um, and it, you know, for our listeners who maybe aren't people pleasers, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it, you say no to everything. Mm-hmm. It means that you think about like, how does this make me feel? Is this, Sometimes you have to take something just for the money. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't mean you. Um, it doesn't mean that that's the wrong reason to do it. Sometimes Mm-mm. that's the, the right reason to do it. Um, I think it's just about like being true to who you are and knowing why you're making decisions. I totally agree. I totally agree. Knowing why you made the decision, not just for that person. Did right. you make that person happy? Okay, how do you feel? Did you just kill your week and kill your schedule and kill? You didn't make enough money and you didn't. You know, to what end? That's right. To what end? I think that the universe has given me so many opportunities to, um, <laughs> like, see this again and again that it became, like, so f- big in my face that eventually I just realized, oh, I see what I'm doing. I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for them. Right? Um, I've struggled with it for so long. Really? Yes. That's comforting to hear. I, I know mean, it's my agency, it's client services. It's not very different from yours from, mm-hmm. you know, a mindset perspective. Like there is a client and their services need to be rendered. And, um, it doesn't mean I need to lose myself in the process though. Mm-hmm. No, um, not at all. But I, 
I think just like your business, we are in a business of service. So there's that, we walk that fine line, right? Mm-hmm. Of taking care of both of us, but the service, I, it is in my blood, it is in my genetics. I want to be of service. I want to give of myself. So um, I have done that to a fault at times and given too much and then come home with nothing left. Right. Right. And completely depleted. And so I think this year I really started looking back and looking back at like, okay, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? Because I'm, I'm, I have no energy. I'm done. I'm cooked at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. And this Mm -hmm. is not fulfilling. It's not working for me. And it was, I had to go back and see where I'd been to see where I wanted to go. Okay. I did that. Okay. I can handle that. I can, this set me up for this. I know that I can conquer this and I can do this. In my, this, is in my, this is in my wheelhouse. Right. So do you think that being a parent has helped you um, like delineate between what's right for you versus what's wrong for you? Absolutely. It really, um, he's four and a half, and I think that's when I started um, analyzing a bit more of my career and not just being, I think I was a little spastic in the beginning. I was excited. I was, yes, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll drive there. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. I'll, I'm your girl. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I love to be a teammate and to help. Um, but that, I think that brought me, it grounded me. Like my husband says, sometimes I'm a balloon and I just need to, to stay on earth a little bit. <laughs> oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I think that I can fly away really easily and it's really good to have something to ground you and to give you perspective. And I think he, he does that. He, he teaches me a lot. He taught me how to, or, it made me organize really well too. Baby stuff is, um, great, but it makes you get all gadgety. Yeah, that's <laughs> organized right. stuff. So um, <laughs> let's talk about Emmy Awards. Yes. You have multiple. I do. As a makeup artist. I do. I, um, I have won all of those under the um, wonderful guidance of Melissa Street. So her company is Epic Makeup, and she has teams. And these were won for the Pacific Southwest um, chapter. And they were all commercials. One was for NBC Telemundo. We just recently won that. And another one was for some commercials, um, one that I department headed. So really, really proud of them. I, something I really, really never actually put on my bucket list, I never really put as a goal, which I, I now have other goals similar to that. But uh, I think it's, it's nice to have that moment and stop and pause and be like, I remember that weekend. I slept four hours. Okay. I, that paid off. I worked really, really hard, and I'm glad someone saw that. Right. So what does it take to have Emmy winning makeup? What does that mean? Uh, it depends. In, in where I'm at, it, it depends on what we're filming. So with Melissa, I work with NBC in San Diego, and we do Telemundo as well. So we do all of their commercials, all their promos, all of their spots. Um, and that's it's an honor to work with their entire team, all the entire team. And so... Um, they get submitted. Oh, that's not good. They get submitted for, for those. So it's, it's camera ready. It's definitely high def. It's 4K, 8K. You know, it's it's knowing knowing the product, knowing what it looks like on camera. Uh, I'm a combo artist, so I also have to do hair. Oh, well. really? I don't um, do extension like extensive hair, but I do light hair. Mm-hmm. But that's in California. Combo artists are kind of. I'm not sure if it's the same here, but. Um, the kind of necessary. If you don't know hair, you got You better learn some hair if you're going to do in my world. Right. So you're touting around a, your your kit for makeup mm. and your hair kit. Mm-hmm. Yes, and a shoulder injury. It's great. Oh, and <laughs> did that. you get that from yes. the heavy bags? Yes. So hence my I've been trying to organize my kit down and down and down lately, and um, I share a lot on Instagram, social media with 
things, gadgets I find now, I think it's fun to give back in that way and find ways to make your kit smaller because, well, like here, you, you can't have a huge kit. You just can't. In California, we have mammoth kits. Right, because you have cars. Yeah, with giant, yeah, mm -hmm. giant vehicles. But um, I think it's good to find ways to condense and really see what you need in your kit. You right. don't always need a thousand things. Have there been times though you've taken something out of your kit and you're like, ugh, I really wanted that on set? I have had, I've had moments of that, yeah. And I put it back in and I'm like, oh, better. I feel better. It's like a security blanket sometimes. Right? It is, because you're in the middle. It could be, I was in Joshua Tree in the middle of nowhere in an RV with no power. You know, I, what am I, I got to bring a lot. I got to have everything I need. Right. I got to have all the baby wipes. What if there's no water? What if she has this? What if right. she can't brush her teeth? You know, something, there's, you just got to think. Got to think ahead three steps for your talent. So you're working on makeup that's going to be seen through 4K, and you said 8K. Mm -hmm. um, do I need to live my life assuming 8K? <laughs> like, what does that look like if, if you put an 8K person uh, on the street? It looks it looks just like real life. Um, it's just much more. There's pores. You see pores. Mm -hmm. You know. You see. You see powder. You see. You really have. Um, the beauty blender is really your best friend. I airbrush. Um, I use a lot of airbrush on men mm -hmm. um, when I do live events and they're live streamed in high def as well as I just did a live event we did 40 people live they had jumbo screens eight of them they live streamed it or globally and they had 16,000 people in the audience so my work was literally being just down to the nitty gritty the details so it was poor I mean you have to make sure that everything is just very very worked in Right. You can sit on top because they will, you will see it. And everything has to be pulled all the way down. I see a lot of that still on TV. You have to pull it all the way down. And yes. sometimes I'm noticing um, hands. Yeah. The hands are a big deal now. Yes. So. I've noticed that too. Notice right. I've noticed the makeup that goes to here and then the rest is just red and blotchy. Red and blotchy. Right? Yes. They're, they're sweaty or they're, you know, getting aggravated. Mm -hmm. And it makes like a demarcation line like right in the center of their neck. <sighs> yeah. Right. So. Um, Another reason airbrush is great, by the way. So you wouldn't even use any powder because you would always see it. Sometimes I do. Um, I do use powder and I almost press almost like a blot, oh, almost uh -huh. that way. In the back, I changed my powder application. I've changed the way I use it as cameras have developed. So it's it's interesting. Right. We um, always ask our makeup artists on set for our um, client work to not use powder because it makes... Um, I mean, you just see it. You, you see, see it. it. And you I don't want to see it. We want to see skin, not makeup. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so if I'm... I'm thinking about this whole 8K thing because yes. I, can, I can imagine a marketer listening to this episode being like, oh, I need to make kits for my for my customers of 8K. 8K. Like, right? <laughs> and now I'm thinking like everyone's going to look like they're wearing like layers of makeup because they're like putting on so much makeup but to walk out in the real world. Oh, no. Um, I've had plenty of talent. I've done their 8K makeup and then they walked out in the real world. And, and they're okay? They're okay, uh -huh. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lighter-handed makeup artist, naturally. Um, I don't do a lot of big looks. I like glowy skin. I like skin. I like highlight. I don't like a lot of lines. I don't do a lot of hard lines. Mm -hmm. So that's just more my aesthetic. Right. So this is, um, it's less about the product and more about the technique? Mm -hmm. Always more about the technique. Uh -huh. You can use it, but as long as you have the right tools with you, um, I think you can... You can achieve, you can build it, you can work it, you know. You're an artist, that's what you're supposed to do, be able to take a tool and right. use it. But we're human beings, so don't we want to see pores? <sighs> I do. Sometimes on TV I find it distracting, to be honest. I find it, I'm like, oh, I can see everything. I can see, wow, I can, oh, okay. But I think that's a good, it's good, it feels like real life, you know. It's not going to get any 
it's going to get bigger. It's only going to right. So we're going to go to twenty five. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're just going to be holographic standing in front of you. Okay. <laughs> so when you're briefed on a project like that, mm-hmm. is the client saying to you, "We don't want to, we don't want our skin to look like skin"? Like, are they giving you direction, or are they hiring you knowing that what you're going to do is? Yeah, always. There's always direction with something like that, especially if it was that eight K. I would ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. of the direction of the makeup. Um, are there changes? How close? You know, how many? Um, I ask for the shot list, so okay. the shot list would contain. Um, we're doing this. Well, I'll just give a quick example. Like we're going to do this headshot, and then we're going to move on to a tight, and then we're going to change the lens, and we're going to go on this profile. So at least I have a heads up to be like, okay, we're going to start here. I really need to pay attention because our eyes are going to get a tight shot, mm-hmm. so I need to be ready for that. So you just kind of you you need to be three steps ahead of that, I think, especially for high def. Like right. there's no time to fiddly fart around. So my last series of questions are going to be about all the things you talked about before, but yes. now you're on the other end of it. Yes. Should people email you if they're interested in being your assistant? Yes. Okay. Um, should they write down a ton of questions and try to schedule a call with you? I hope so. Um, how can they learn about like how to organize their finances and pay taxes and ask the right questions before starting a gig? Where can they learn that? That stuff would not be from me. I don't teach business. I don't... Um, for your taxes and things, you might need to work, but the, the ins and outs of the invoices and stuff, really, Melissa Street gives amazing advice on how, and set etiquette. Set etiquette is a big deal, and they don't teach that in right. school. So you where know, do you learn that? On set, or from other artists, assisting. You learn assisting. If you don't know set etiquette and you go on set, it will not bode well for you. There are rules. There are ways when you go in. It's a dance. It's a, it's a beautiful dance. I think that's why I like it. It reminds me of synchro. It's like, it's everybody working... Under the water is chaos, and above is all beautiful and perfect, and we're all smiling, but under the water, we're sweating it out, and that's us, and I think it's a beautiful dance of finding when to go in, and when to touch up, and when not to, and when not to bust, you know, don't bug the director, don't ever talk to this person, don't, you know, there's there's ways about it, mm-hmm. and um, I think, I look back, I, I've had a lot of correlations lately with Synchro that have kind of showed me my trajectory and showed me my strengths, and that's one of them, that I was part of a team. I was always the base. I'm a, I'm a tall girl. I was always the base, and we always had our, we called them peanuts, the lightest little ones we would uh-huh. fly. And um, you could look at that as, like, your star, your talent. Right. I'm the unseen team. I'm, we're the ones under the water that want to be there. We're holding our breath. We're like, oh, my gosh, please fly, please fly, please fly, <laughs> please. And then we shoot her off, and she does amazing, and she looks great. But you never know that we were there, mm-hmm. right? And that's how it should be. You should never know. She should just look flawless. And we should just... Maybe on social, you'll start giving some set etiquette tips for, for newbies. Maybe. Okay. I can try that. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing I want to talk about is your Glossier wrap. Which yes. I know there's not like a ton of them, right? I don't know, actually. Um, they reached out to me. Uh, I I have a similar aesthetic, I think, to the Glossier life. Like the way, the highlight, and the kind of minimal. And um, they reached out and... I've been sharing my favorites and just sharing product. I love their products. I love I love the whole community. I like that everybody talks together and they listen to what people the people buying the stuff are saying. They ask for we've been asking for a mascara. So for years she's been trying to develop mascara and then she does. Like so she didn't just think, "Well, I want to make a blush." She just she did what 
people are asking for. And I think that's, there's something to be said for that. I think that's neat. Yeah, it's cool. very cool. It's really cool. Well, I'm so delighted that you're a guest here today. It's so cool to sit with you, really. It's Thank like you. awesome. This so is grateful. an honor. Thank you. This is, this is a very special moment. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sure that you did. Please <laughs> follow us on Instagram at We're Brains Me Beauty Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dad. Tell, tell everybody. Your and sisters. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.